Keyboard Kimura podcast is brought to you by OneBone. If you're a bigger guy like me, chances are you've had problems finding shirts and gear that fits properly. The length is there, the sleeves are too wide, and the fit is all boxy. The sleeves are good, the shirt is a little too short, meaning your belly or your butt sticks out, which nobody likes. OneBone is the answer. The gear is made of 95% cotton and 5% spandex, meaning you get a little stretch and it fits right in all the right places. There's length to cover your gut and your butt with a number of different designs, styles, and colors to give you a complete wardrobe of good-looking gear that makes you feel comfortable and stylish every day. And as a supporter of this podcast, OneBone is offering you 10% off your next purchase with the promo code ESK10. That's my initials, E-S-K, all capitals, and the number 10. Just go to their website, onebonebrand.com, check out all the gear, figure out your size with their terrific sizing guide, and get yourself into some fresh new gear this summer and become a part of the growing One Bone community. One Bone, the biggest brand. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday to you. It is ESK. It is quarter to 11 here on the west coast of Canada in beautiful Abbotsford, British Columbia. It is an overcast day. I apologize if I sound a little more hoarse and gravelly than normal, dealing with a bit of a head cold that has laid me up for the last couple of days. But I wanted to get on here and still deliver the podcast today, not just to keep sort of the the structure of things and the schedule of things going, but because I did want to kind of expand on the conversation Harry and I had on Sunday on the next day takeaways about booking the featherweight division going forward. Specifically, who I think the, if there is going to be an interim title fight, who I think the combatants in that fight should be. If you listened to Sunday's show, first, thank you. We appreciate it. If you did, or if you didn't, you would have heard me say that I think Yagir Rodriguez should actually be the odd man out if we're talking about a triumvirate of Yair Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, and Arnold Allen. And I know that sounds crazy to some because Yair Rodriguez is clearly the most established name, the biggest draw of that trio, and the guy that on Saturday was being talked about as, let's get him into an interim title fight with Josh Allen. But I do think that the recency bias that that Harry mentioned on the show yesterday certainly plays a factor in that, right? Yair Rodriguez is fresh out of a fight with Brian Ortega that we all sort of looked at as saying, well, if he wins this one, then he probably is going to get a championship opportunity if Volkanovski is is healthy and ready to fight. And he did get the win, but we need to scrutinize that victory a little bit. And I know that people are going to say, well, it's not his fault and things like that. And I agree. It is not his fault at all. Injuries happen. They are a part of the sport. But this isn't a situation necessarily where we have to just take that injury victory and just treat it like a regular victory. This isn't the same as if he went out and defeated Brian Ortega over five rounds or knocked him out or actually caught him in a submission and beat him that way. This is an unfortunate injury that ended a fight and ended a fight very early where we weren't really getting any clear answers about where these two sort of stacked up and how they measured up against one another. And while I get that no one wants to penalize Yair Rodriguez for what happened, I also know that there weren't a lot of people rushing to say, let's get Jan Blachowicz into 
a light heavyweight title opportunity when his fight with Alexander Rakic ended in a similar fashion with Rakic blowing out his knee. And now certainly, as Jan said, after that fight, this is all a part of it. His body held up. Rakic's didn't. Saturday night, Yair's body held up. Brian Ortega's shoulder did not. Certainly a part of it. But to me, it comes down to more of the meritocracy of this. And I know that, that MMA is far from and the UFC is far from a meritocracy. And so this is probably just me, you know, old man shouting at clouds. But if you look at the last five years, Yair Rodriguez is 3-1 and one with one no contest. The best of those wins is the victory over the Korean Zombie, which was already coming up on being five years ago, November 2018. There's also the two-fight series with Jeremy Stevens. There's the victory over Brian Ortega on Saturday and the loss to Max Holloway in there, which if you talk to Yair, if you listen to him, Every time you try to praise him about it and say, look, you fought well, you had some moments, he wants to downplay it. So if even he is saying, look, that wasn't my my best performance, I don't think it was as good as you guys seem to want to make it, and then the next fight after that is this fight we had on Saturday, is that really the kind of momentum, the kind of string of results that we want to see the UFC promote as this is the next title challenger? And I bring this up because there are many, many times where that's exactly what gets argued against these lesser-known fighters, right? So Leon Edwards is on his big run of, of victories, and after the victory over RDA, it's, well, but do you do you really want to promote this guy after he just kind of wins a decision? After the fight with Bilal Muhammad, well, do you really want to give this guy a championship fight after a fight stopped due to an accidental eye poke? After the fight with Nathan Diaz, well, do you really want to give this guy a championship fight where the lasting memory of it is the last minute where Diaz lands the one and only shot that he lands and puts him on roller skates? If we're going to argue that against a whole bunch of deserving competitors that have put together lengthy winning streaks and strong performances and quality performances that we as people that cover this sport and observe this sport and are arbiters of this sport understand the value of and the weight of, then we need to we need to try to be as consistent with that as possible. Because on the flip side of Yair's last five years, Arnold Allen's last five years, he's 6-0 with wins over Mads Burnell, Jordan Rinaldi, Gilbert Melendez, Nick Lentz, Sadiq Youssef, and Dan Hooker earlier this year in London. Now, there are going to be people that say, well, but, you know, the first, let's say three of those aren't aren't great, great wins. And sure, Jordan Rinaldi is a guy that didn't have any real lasting success in the UFC. Gilbert Melendez was towards the end of his career, but still a big name. I would argue that Mads Burnell is a much better win than a lot of people understand. Mads Burnell was winning that fight for most of that fight until Arnold Allen did what early in his career could be considered Arnold Allen things, and pulled a choke out of nowhere to get the victory. And Mads Burnell right now is is one of the top featherweights in Bellator. According to Fight Matrix, he's at he's number 29 in the world. So a top, top 30 fighter in this division. So that to me is a very good win. It's a win that has aged quite well, actually, over these last five years. If you want to argue against sort of the Nick Lentz victory and the value of that, 
I will proffer that Mobsar Evloev fought him later, and it was one of those fights that we used as another measuring stick for how good the undefeated Russian is. So that one carries weight to me. Sadiq Yusuf was rated, ranked ahead of Arnold Allen going into that fight. He was the favorite going into that fight. So that is clearly a good win. And then in March, he goes out and defeats Dan Hooker in the first round, which is something not a lot of people have done. Um, obviously, MMA math is not a thing that works. Took Yair Rodriguez longer to beat Dan Hooker if we want to go that way. He went to a decision with him, you know, but that was years ago and doesn't necessarily rate. But just in general, it feels weird to me that we are so quick to just pivot right into these are the two guys. These are the two people. And Arnold Allen is just left continuing to twist in the wind, waiting for another opportunity that he has to continue going forward and, and working his way through this gauntlet. And it's it's interesting to me because we don't want to see that in most cases. In most divisions, we don't want to see these athletes all go through the same people and have to continue to work their way up and continue to go through those difficult tests where they've got to beat all the people in front of them, not just two or three. And yet, Yair Rodriguez has beaten one in the last five years, and it's it's five years ago. And yes, he beat Brian Ortega on Saturday, but again, it's not a victory, even in the same way that Josh Emmett went out and had a razor-thin fight with Calvin Cater a few weeks prior to that, where at least they got out there and, and you learned some things and you saw some things from Josh Emmett that you can bank on that sort of solidified what you know and understand about it. I don't think there was anything on Saturday that made me look at Yair Rodriguez and say, oh, this is a different fighter than the guy that fought Max or the guy that fought the Korean zombie and was on the way to losing that fight before he pulls out the crazy up elbow out of nowhere. And so to me, I would much rather see Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen paired off together with Yair Rodriguez facing somebody like a Calvin Cater in order to really cement his position and maybe set him up as the guy that is in the wings if Alexander Volkanovsky decides to depart the featherweight division and go up to lightweight and chase that belt. And we end up with a situation where an interim title gets defended, which hasn't happened in quite some time in the UFC. I just think that we become prisoners of the moment with recent results and with kind of the one name that gets put forward the most or the two names in this case that get put forward the most and we don't take that time to just hit reset and wait it's why we actually it's why I started doing a Sunday podcast called the next day takeaways I want that bit of time to sit down with the results and process through and not make snap judgments right away out of the gate. Because I do think right away on Saturday, of course it makes sense that you do Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. They are the two most recent top five fighters in this division to get victories. So sure, you pair them off. But of the three, Arnold Allen had the most impressive victory this year. And he's won nine straight in the UFC. And he's 18-1 and overall. And while I understand that he doesn't have necessarily the the name value or the exposure, even that a guy like Josh Emmett has, who has now been in two UFC main events and came out on the winning end of one a couple weeks back, and certainly not the exposure 
and name value that a guy like Yair Rodriguez has. Are we booking these fights based solely on name value or are we booking them on name value and results and talent and skills and performance and a myriad things that all come together to give us the best opportunity to see who is truly the best fighters in these divisions? Or are we just booking names based on names? And I think, unfortunately, part of the answer to that is that we're booking names for names, not necessarily who the best fighter is. I think there is a greater onus put on marketability and recognizability amongst the casual fans, amongst the mainstream masses, or like the fights that can be pushed and sold a little bit easier than the tougher sells. But what I would argue is that long-term, the UFC is in a better place and therefore we as fans are in a better place. If people like Arnold Allen get their opportunities rather than having to win, you know, two more fights before he gets into a a championship opportunity. Because that's what it looks like if he doesn't get this shot coming up here soon to fight for an interim title. Right? If he's not in this fight, if he doesn't end up opposite either Yair Rodriguez or Josh Emmett, who either one of them may not be available for a fight. Who knows? We don't know. We haven't heard necessarily how Josh Emmett came out of that fight with Calvin Cater. But if he's not included in that pairing, he's certainly got to win one more against, you know, a a Max Holloway or a Calvin Cater. Ortega's going to be out, so probably not him. The Korean zombie. Somebody in that range. And then that's at most going to get him into it. Maybe that gets him into a championship opportunity. But the far more likely thing is that he's still going to have to win one more after that. And we're going to end up getting to potentially 11 straight victories, which puts him in that Islam Makachev range. And and thankfully, wiser heads prevailed and cooler heads prevailed and smarter heads prevailed. And and Makachev has been booked against Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title. It was absolutely the one and only fight that made sense from a results, merit, skill, talent, what we want to see perspective. And I would wager, I would put forward that that's the same here with Arnold Allen. I know people are going to argue against me and say, nah, I'd rather see Yair and Josh Emmett. And cool, that's everybody's free to have their own picks, their own favorites, their own desires, by all means. But for me, as I've said many times on these podcasts and in writing on the newsletter, I don't want to see athletes have to go and win 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 fights in a row going through an absolute wood chipper of a schedule to finally get a championship opportunity when somebody like Yair Rodriguez wins three fights in five years, one of them by TKO via injury, and gets a championship opportunity because he's the biggest name in the division. Because he's the the most recognizable figure that hasn't fought for a title yet. If that's what we're doing, if, if that's how we want to book things, fine. But that means all like what what are what reason is there for someone like Arnold to continue trying to fight all of these monsters that are going to be put in front of him? Like he took the shot here and and he took the shot against Dan Hooker because he thought that was a path the best path forward for him. It was the best name he was offered. And unfortunately, he calls out Calvin Cater afterwards because 
history has told him that's the next guy you've got to beat. But we need to get away from that history. We need to do more things like we're seeing at middleweight where Alex Pajera goes out, gets three wins, one of them, the last of them against Sean Strickland, who's ranked number five in the division and is then vaulted into the championship opportunity against Israel Adesanya. And yes, their history in kickboxing certainly has something to do with him getting fast-tracked like that. But is there really anything that bad about a fighter beating the number five contender in the division, the guy that's ranked number five in the division, then moving forward to fight for a championship? I would say no. My argument would be no. We saw with Valentina Shevchenko and Tyler Santos, we got a great fight. When a lot of people didn't expect Tyler Santos to have much to offer the champion. I think we're going to get a great fight from Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. And I think we need to get away from making these athletes constantly have to clear another hurdle. And another hurdle. And, and conversely, having these name brand athletes and these recognizable athletes only clear one. In order to get back into it, Sean Sheehan and I talked about it on a State of the Union podcast over on the Severe Patreon page, and you should absolutely subscribe to the Severe Patreon page. He lamented that Justin Gaethje, you know, went out and won one fight and got back into a championship fight and probably will win one more and then get right back into the mix, and it should be different than that. And I wholeheartedly agree. There's no reason to have guys like Yair Rodriguez constantly just hover around the top of the division where it's shown and proven that they can't get past the silver medalist in Max Holloway, but then they win one fight over another person that can't get past the silver medalist Max Holloway in Brian Ortega and win that fight by injury, and that earns him a championship fight? That just seems strange to me. I would I would much rather have seen Yair not have to go through Max and Brian Ortega after his win over Jeremy Stevens and fight, you know, one other person on the way up. I would have liked to have seen him fight Josh Emmett or fight Arnold Allen or somebody in that group where the winner then gets an opportunity. I don't need to see how it goes against the number one, two, three, four contenders. I, I'm okay with the person at number five getting a championship opportunity or the person at number seven getting a championship opportunity, if they have done enough to merit that. Tyler Santos, again, perfect example. Arnold Allen, right here, right now, a perfect example. We were all fine with Yuri Prohoshka getting a championship opportunity, a light heavyweight off two wins, one being Volkan Ozdemir, the other being Dominic Reyes. And they're good wins, they're knockout wins, they're clear wins, but he didn't have to go through a real grind of a schedule in order to get a championship opportunity. He had to win two fights, two favorably matched fights, I would argue as well, two fights where it seemed quite reasonable to expect him to go out and do exactly what he did. He didn't have to go through Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos and Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Bohovic before getting there. And so why is it that someone like Arnold Allen has to keep going through more? Or someone like Islam Mahachev was going to have to go through more. Or Benil Dariush, as it is now, is going to have to go through more. Why isn't there greater interest in seeing somebody like Yair Rodriguez 
hold his position now and maybe defend his position once or twice before going forward into a championship opportunity. Like, why doesn't that dude need to win five straight fights the way that Josh Emmett did? Is it just because he's a big name? Is it because people like him and he's popular and marketable? Probably. For me, as more of a purist, that's, that sucks. And I, I know that's, you know, me me arguing the opposite side of, of a point that I argue all the time of you just have to accept the system we live in. And this is the system we live in. But I'm certainly going to come on here and speak about it. This is my platform to do these things. And I think the current system in that regard is broken. I think we're better off elevating as many contenders up together rather than winnowing things down to where we get one true contender because we don't often get there, right? You look at Ortega, you look at Yair Rodriguez, you look at Calvin Cater. All these guys couldn't get through, weren't forced to get through the biggest test or couldn't get through a test that wasn't even Alexander Volkanovsky initially. And yet they fought for championship gold or they kept fighting forward and, and we've, we've lost contenders. We've lost opportunities because they've just been put through that gauntlet. I think we need to move away from the gauntlet. I think we need to move away from wanting to see an emerging fighter like Arnold Allen or like Magomed Ankalaev, who fights in a couple weeks' time against Anthony Smith, go through another two or three established names ahead of him in the pecking order before getting an opportunity. Because if we do it, there's going to be a lot of times where that fighter doesn't advance. This weekend in London, Tom Aspinall fights Curtis Blades in the main event. And it's a tricky, tricky fight for Tom Aspinall, who I think is the favorite going in, who I think is someone the UFC would love to see move forward, who I think the world of as a competitor But if he doesn't get past Curtis Blades, we don't have anything new or fresh in the heavyweight division outside of a guy that hasn't fought in well over two years in John Jones. Because if Curtis Blades beats him, Curtis Blades has already lost to Francis Ngannou twice. He's already been knocked out by Derek Lewis. And so what, you know, we're looking at Tai Tuivasa as the one fresh remaining name that hasn't fought any of those guys or all of those guys. Where to me, you should be looking to move Aspinall and Tuivasa and Cyril Gan forward in order to get fresh names into this mix instead of making a Tom Aspinall go through a Curtis Blades whose ceiling, quite frankly, has already been established. I don't think there's been anything we've seen since his second fight with Francis Ngannou that tells me things are going to be different if they get around to a third fight at some point. And so, to me, some of these booking decisions need to be shifted from the immediate return and the immediate this makes sense right here and now in this moment and take a much longer lensed view of things. Because going forward, Tom Aspinall is somebody fresh that has an opportunity 
to be a real factor in this division. And look, a loss to Curtis Blades isn't going to derail him completely. It will set him back a step. He will reset and we'll see where he goes over the next 12 to 18 months should that come to pass on Saturday. But rather than putting that hurdle in front of him, put one that gets him to a position where no matter who wins, we get something new and fresh and viable. He asked for Tai Tuivasa after his win in London in March over Alexander Volkov. Why not make that fight so that at least whoever wins goes forward as the number one kind of new fresh contender in the division? As well as having John Jones and as well as having Stipe Miocic and, you know, Cyril Gan hanging out in that mix as well. Have, have a firmly established new top five fighter rather than putting him through the test of a guy that has already been in there and lost to the champion twice and already showed he can't clear that last hurdle or to this point has shown he can't clear that last hurdle. We have to move away from being prisoners of the moment and just saying these are the most recent names I remember and booking them into the next big fight because that's how we get situations like Leon Edwards waiting forever for a championship opportunity and quite frankly, before that, it's how we get Kamaru Usman having 10 fights and 10 victories before coming anywhere near the title opportunity. We need to not just look at it from the here and now perspective, but from the long-term perspective as well. Because I think getting these younger fighters, some of these lesser-known fighters moving forward and giving them opportunities sooner is of greater benefit for the organization, for the sport, and for us as fans long-term. But we're going to find out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday.